Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today is the 24th of October of 2020. Almost a whole year living with this pandemic. And of course, I'm going to be talking about something related to this pandemic. The article that I'm going to be citing for today's podcast was published in Critical Care Medicine just a couple days ago, and it is titled, Is Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation Futile in Coronavirus Disease 2019 Patients Experiencing In-Hospital Cardiac Arrest? This topic is very important to me because as an intensive care doctor who has taken care of numerous COVID patients, I have had some of them just spontaneously arrest in my ICU and my team and I have not been able to bring them back, which is pretty darn devastating, honestly. We don't want to lose any patients whatsoever to anything for that matter, but this uh, this virus is just, it's just super annoying for lack of a better term right now off the top of my head. We have all heard stories of COVID patients who spontaneously meet their demise in non-ICU as well as step-down units, but We've gotten better at taking care of these patients, and I believe we have all noticed a substantial decrease of spontaneous cardiac arrests during the course of this pandemic. And again, my non-scientific rationale, because there's no randomized control trial to show, but we're starting to anticoagulate these patients a little bit sooner, and therefore we're seeing a decrease in the incidence of these prothrombotic sequelae of COVID. At the time of this podcast, the only treatment we know that decreases mortality is giving patients dexamethasone. But using remdesivir, convalescent plasma, uh, tocilizumab, other such therapies, none of them have been shown to decrease mortality. And honestly, I I can't remember any one study doing a randomized control trial on anticoagulation. With these patients who spontaneously drop dead, I'm Eddie Joe. Today is the 24th of October of 2020, almost a whole year living with this pandemic. And of course, I'm going to be talking about something related to this pandemic. The article that I'm going to be citing for today's podcast was published in Critical Care Medicine just a couple days ago, and it is titled, Is Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation Futile in Coronavirus Disease 2019 Patients Experiencing In-Hospital Cardiac Arrest? This topic is very important to me because as an intensive care doctor who has taken care of numerous COVID patients, I have had some of them just spontaneously arrest in my ICU and my team and I have not been able to bring them back, which is pretty darn devastating, honestly. We don't want to lose any patients whatsoever to anything for that matter, but I guess you could say that they were having either large CVAs, uh, large MIs, or large PEs from this prothrombotic phenomenon. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When a patient gets transferred to my intensive care unit, I speak every day with their family members to let them know what's going on and to emotionally and mentally prepare them for the long haul that's about to take place. I know I published a couple days ago some data from the Cleveland Clinic where, you know, their hospital length of stay in the ICU seven days and their mortality rate was 10% in hospital. 
But that's not necessarily realistic with what a lot of people have been seeing throughout the country. I mean, the Cleveland Clinic patient population uh, is different than other places in the country. Let's, let's just leave it at that. And many of you understand exactly what I mean for that. But when patients receive, re, when patients arrive, excuse me, to my intensive care unit, probably like yours as well, we know that they're signing up to be there for the long haul. Many of you have seen what I've seen where you have a patient who has COVID who lingers in the ICU on mechanical ventilation or high flow nasal cannula for even weeks on end. You know, this, this especially takes place in those facilities where they do not have a local LTAC, which is um, the long-term acute care hospital, and they take care of patients who are not insured, and so they can't make these length of stay numbers look pretty like they do at other facilities where, you know, they go ahead and trach them and send them out to an LTAC. That's, that's not what is seen everywhere else. Nonetheless, we do witness some of these patients decline during their, during their course in the ICU to the point where they go down the path of cardiac arrest. And we see this more often in patients who have organ dysfunctions and organ failures. Now, I do not know the exact numbers from my practice regarding how many patients have suffered cardiac arrest during their, during their ICU stay and how many have survived. But my gut feeling is that it's not good. And I definitely have to compliment the authors of this particular paper for publishing the fact that they had 100% mortality. I mean, that's, that's something that could lead them to, that could lead to criticism because some, some armchair quarterbacks or people who have 2020 uh, retrospective vision might say, hey, you know, uh, we're better than them and we would have done things differently. That's, that's not the point. Okay, the point is to share what we are all learning at our different institutions of how to take care of COVID patients. Now, going back to my scenario, I, I can't recall one patient off the top of my head who has had a, car a cardiac arrest during their ICU stay and has, you know, lived to go home. Um, that's, that's just my opinion. But one of the things that we do is that when a patient is under the care of my team, we put a lot of work into realistically communicating the current condition of the patient's uh, COVID status and, and whatnot with the family. We are all well aware of the mortality numbers once a patient is on mechanical ventilation, or even worse, if they end up having a, another organ along the way fail during their hospitalization. The short answer is it's not good. But in that conversation with the family, I do mention what we have historically seen. You know, one of the things I do say is that people who are intubated stay on the ventilator for at least a week. And the longest that we have had uh, somebody on the ventilator who has successfully come off the ventilator is currently 57 days, which, you know, it's, it's astounding when you consider the historical precedent of ventilator days of other pathologies such as flu or, you know, just regular pneumonia. Families, as one could expect, shudder when they receive the information and they obviously have a bit of denial, like many of us have seen with our patients. You know, we hear that uh, so-and-so loved one is a fighter. You know, having the same conversation every day as, as tedious as it might be to the clinician as well as to the nurses who, you know, in all honesty, speak to the families perhaps more often during the course of the day as the families call in for checkups. You know, it, this 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 realistic um perspective that we should be displaying to them of telling them that, hey, you know, at any moment in time, 
the rug could be pulled out from underneath our feet and this patient could deteriorate. Just having them hear that every day does does provide some sort of honesty as, as well as some sort of realism as to what the family member might go on to expect and you know their expectations might be tapered a bit. Now going on to this conversation with families and, and the reason why I'm getting into this before talking about the paper is well, again, I've already told you the results of the paper, which is that 100% of the patients who suffered cardiac arrest died. Is So some of you could get a little bit of an insight as to how I approach dealing with this and trying to taper expectations, as I mentioned before, um, with regards to the outcomes of these patients who are on mechanical ventilation and who may ultimately meet their demise in our ICUs. All in all, I do have an open book policy with families. You know, they're, they're part of my team. What I, what I try to do is empower them by offering them lab values as well as trying to teach them simple numbers on the vent to empower them and help them understand if their loved ones are getting better or worsening. You know, an example of that is that I tell them that a PEEP of 5 on the ventilator is good. However, them being on PEEP of 20 is not good at all. And, you know, if, for example, one day their PEEP is at 15, the next day I have to take it to 18, they don't even need to hear from me that, you know, the patient's not doing as well. They, they know it themselves. I also teach them that an FiO2 of 30 is good, but an FiO2 of 100 is bad. Obviously, numbers going in the wrong direction are not good. And I work hard every single day to speak to the family members to build that trust and rapport that is that we can't honestly develop since the, the patient's family members are not there to develop it in a face-to-face manner. But there's something I do say quite often, especially as we're learning that the, these patients behave in a very unorthodox manner on the ventilator. You know, again, 57 days on a ventilator is not something that I had seen in my, right now I'm about three and a half years out of training, but I have never seen this in my career. If I'm, again, being being completely honest with you, criticize me if you may. But, um, you know, one of the things I say to the families is that we, we can't give up on, on their loved one. And that right now they're critically ill from COVID, perhaps even the sickest person in the hospital. But we need to be patient and give them time to try to get better. Because some of them do, and we don't know who's going to get better and who isn't if we're being completely frank with ourselves. But I also mentioned to them that this is going to take a long time. Now, some some clinicians may go ahead and beat down families with, with code status discussions and say, hey, do you want to make your patient, you know, a DNR? Do you want to do no compressions or whatever whatever a la carte menu choices that, that may be offered to them? Um, that's, that's not, that, that sometimes does not help with the, it might help avoid coding the patient, but it does not help with the report for the family because, you know, that they, they just feel battered every single day. Um, but one of the things I do tell them is that, you know, right now I'm not asking you, and when I say you, I mean the family member right now, I'm not asking you to make a difficult decision, but if something awful happens, I'm going to call you. I'm going to tell you that there's nothing we can do and we need to stop. And I have I found great success with that because then the family knows that, you know, we are trying everything we can do and there's going to be a limit where the patient's just not going to make it. And uh, given our experience, we, we have a better way of assessing that. So just, just wanted to go ahead and 
mention that because out of nowhere, as many of us have seen, the heart just decides to stop either going to PEA or asystole. And when it does come back, there's there's no coming back. As as um, many people have responded to my post earlier this morning on Instagram, um, even the patients who you do achieve ROSC on, and to those who don't know, ROSC is return of spontaneous circulation. Even those patients, um, they, they, they don't leave the hospital, generally speaking. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So getting back now to the cited article, which was published about two to three days ago, and it reflects real world practice at institutions such as my own. Again, this is a single center multi-hospital study where that took place in rural, rural, I can never say that word properly, southwest Georgia. And what they found was that, as, as I mentioned before, the mortality rate was 100% in the 63 patients who had COVID who suffered cardiac arrest. When you really think about it, this is incredibly depressing, but at the same time, it's not really shocking. Some of the, some of the demographics noted in this trial are due to the geographic location of the hospital being southwest Georgia where they found that 90.5% of patients were African-American, 88.9% of these patients had hypertension, 69, just let's call it 70% of patients were obese, and 60% had diabetes. And if you go ahead and read the paper for yourself, which I definitely recommend, it digs into their inflammatory markers, which I won't cover here because it's hard to remember numbers off the top of your head. But the median length of stay of these patients was 11 days and it had been about two weeks uh, from the from the initiation of their symptoms and in other words that's telling us that this is the inflammatory phase of covid where where these people are spontaneously dying but when they looked at these 63 patients who suffered cardiac arrest the team was able to achieve rosc in 18 of these patients which is approximately 29 percent but within two hours, they lost another 17 of these patients. What, what I really hope for and I, and I pray for is that this was enough time for the families to come in and see their loved ones for one last time. You know, the, the most sobering fact of all this is that the in-hospital mortality was 100% for these patients, which is extremely, extremely depressing. And my takeaway for this paper is that the, these data reinforces what we have all seen in our respective hospitals. Um, I know that some folks in uh, different parts of the country have chimed in on Instagram and given us some success stories, which is fantastic. I mean, I love it. I, we, we, need, we need all the, the good news possible in this chaotic world that we're living in right now. But this data also provides data for, also provides uh, evidence for us to be able to have honest conversations with families regarding the prognosis of our COVID patients. We need to be aware of these intrinsic limitations that occur in all of our hospitals with regards to cardiac arrest situations in COVID patients. I know it only took one minute to get the teams into the rooms to take care of these patients who are, who are coding, but we need to be very diligent and cautious when putting on our PPE before going into the room. We obviously need to encourage the safety of our team as well as of ourselves 
during these tragic events. But I guess that that concludes this this podcast for today. I know it's not the most um, it's not the most fun and exciting topic. I mean, it's just it's just reality of what we are dealing with today. So thank you so much for your support, and thank you as well for listening all the way to the end of this podcast. I'd like to thank Audible who is sponsoring this podcast, and there's a link in the description box below. If you sign up for a free trial for Audible, they'll give you one book if you are not an Amazon Prime member and two books if you're an Amazon Prime member. And uh, they will go ahead and compensate me if you sign up for a free trial. So if you want to go ahead and help out the channel, go ahead and do that. Also, thanks very much for leaving me thumbs up and five stars and giving me good reviews because that helps the podcast grow. Hope you all have a great day. Thanks. Bye.